Welcome back, Wildcat faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Adam Green. Adam, happy new week to you. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's move forward here, huh? Let's move not, on not, from not, the last one. Yeah, not not a great LA strip, uh, or excuse me, LA trip rather. But uh, you know, other than that, how how was your weekend? Yeah, not bad. Other than the basketball games that kind of put a damper on it, but you know, it's. Not going to lie, when we kind of saw the lineup that Arizona was being forced to put out there, as disappointing as it was, it may not have been all that surprising. Sure. No, that's fair. And we'll definitely touch on that a lot more. Uh, Before we do, let's go ahead and just take care of some housekeeping items, Adam. Uh, Wildcat Radio Podcast, you can subscribe for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, basically any podcast catcher. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on social media, our Twitter handle at Wildcat Radio AZ. Follow us on Facebook as well, Wildcat Radio. Also, check out our website, WildcatRadioAZ.com. That is the exclusive home of all of our written content as well as these podcasts. So, uh, Adam, with that, right? So last time we recorded was about two weeks ago. Now, now that uh, now now that football is uh, college football in general is all wrapped up. Uh, we're we're going to start rotating probably every week or so on exclusively basketball. So, Adam, the last time you and I recorded was two weeks ago. That was after the Stanford trip, uh, the the Bay Area trip rather, yeah. and of course Emmanuel Acott. Uh, his departure, that was the last thing that we discussed. Uh, briefly, now that this was two series ago, we'll just note, uh, of course, we lost to Oregon at home, 59-54. Responded well the following game uh, to wrap up the Oregon school series. Took care of Oregon State at home, 82-71. Uh, but what's important to note there, I mean, obviously, it was a good win, right? 82-71, we'll take that any day of the week. Yep. Important to note that that was the game in which Derek Jeter or Chase Jeter. How many times have I done that now? <laughs> Chase Jeter uh, suffered a. I mean, it, it it turned out to be a minor injury, it seems, uh, but it was a pretty scary fall. So I'm yeah. glad to see. You know, he's actually mobile, traveled with the team to L.A. Obviously, he didn't play, but it was encouraging, I think, to see him travel with the team and then also, you know, in warmups and stuff, you know, whatever the LA trip, Adam, let's just hop into that. Let's start with uh, USC on Thursday night. Um, wasn't pretty. What were your takeaways? Uh, <laughs> that this team was absolutely lost without Chase Jeter. Now we talked, we talked a couple weeks ago, we noted how this next stretch for Arizona with the Oregon schools coming in and going to the LA schools and then ASU like this. And then even Washington, like this was going to be the stretch that kind of defines, okay, they're four and in conference, but are they really that good? And if you would have told me they were going to do, I guess, one, two, three, three of the games without Chase Jeter, and especially two of those being the L.A. schools, I wouldn't have thought they had much of a chance because whereas UCLA and USC, I guess we'll start with USC. While USC isn't a great basketball team, they're fairly tough at home, and they have size. So you're watching that game, and it's just kind of sad because Arizona had no answer down low. They weren't getting any easy looks because they didn't have the inside presence on offense. The rebounding wasn't there because they didn't have the size to compete with Benny Boatwright and Rakechevic and these guys at USC is throwing out there. And you just watch it, and as much as you want to kind of break down and analyze what happened, I think it's almost pretty simple in this one, and actually the same for UCLA too, is that when you have a smaller team, you have to shoot the ball well to have a chance. And Arizona, especially against USC, what, 5 of 25 from 3, 20 of 72 overall. 
Like, you're not going to beat too many teams shooting 28% from the floor when you have zero size to play defense to get the rebounds and do all that. So it was ugly, but it was understandably ugly, I thought. As a team, U of A shot 27, rounding up. Well, we're going to round up here because it's going to sound slightly better, but 28% uh, from the floor. Adam, as you mentioned, 5 of 25 from 3. That's that's awful. it was really bad. I mean, we'll, we'll give him you know, 12 of 18 from free throws, but I mean, that was just when you're getting blown out, that almost doesn't even matter. Right. I mean, uh-huh. 20 of 72 from the floor. Now, I guess what's encouraging there, if you're going to look at it, you had 39 rebounds, right? You, you had 72 shots. So, I mean, that, that if, if you're looking for some kind of silver lining, the attempts were there. They just weren't converting the attempts. And only seven turnovers. Like, they played a fairly clean game outside of, you know, putting the ball in the basket. Yeah, so and, and and unfortunately that's the name of the game. So when when that doesn't happen, you, you lose by twenty three as as uh, as displayed on Thursday night. It should also be noted that uh, outstanding freshman Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, miraculously is no longer suspended. Of course, <laughs> right? Like why not against U of A in the season? So uh, of course you know his presence back in the court, uh, he was able to contribute just eighteen points, but he did or excuse me eighteen minutes, but did contribute. 14 points. So, uh, Adam, I, I mean, it's definitely what you pointed to, right? I mean, it was just, uh, they just complete domination interior, right? Interior domination, the front court, we just didn't have the size. I mean, the athleticism can be there with Ira Lee at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're running out there with, with Ryan Luther as your five, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster, unfortunately. And, you know, uh, I, I noticed on Twitter, you know, there, there was some, some callings of, you know, why is Jake DeSargent's not in the game? And, you know, it's like, I get that as far as, as far as height goes and just the need for that. And this sort of situation when we're just getting dominated down low, but I mean, you know, and we'll get to his presence because he did make an appearance in UCLA, but Mm -hmm. in the UCLA game, but uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, it just wasn't, um, it it was honestly just a bad matchup for him. I mean, this, this is a, a fantastic down low presence that USC has and Boatwright and uh, Reykjavik. So, I mean, like as far as all of that is concerned, um, you know, Adam, not shocking. I, I think you touched on it. Let's, let's just walk through a little bit of the box score just beyond, you Do know, a high to? level. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, one thing I want to point out and uh, you know, Brandon Williams, we've touched on it in the past many times, you know, he was three of 13 from the field, one of eight from three, that's not going to go well anytime, any game, doesn't matter who it is, I, that, that, that just has a horrible feel to it. What's going on with Brandon Randolph, though, the other, yeah. the other Brandon here? Um, it seems, you know, like this was a prime opportunity, Adam, for Brandon Randolph to really, you know, if there was any doubt about how important Chase Jeter was to this team, uh, I mean, I think that it's, it's pretty now clear that he has to be the team's MVP. But, uh, you know, there was there was a decent stretch there where, you know, Brandon Randolph shooting lights out and making his, you know, making his presence as a very key contributor to this team. Uh, I, we just haven't really seen it. I mean, we definitely didn't see it on this road trip. Are you concerned at all about the absence of Brandon Randolph? Yeah, I mean, to the extent that obviously the big talking point, and it's been every game, was that, the jump from his freshman to sophomore year, this the point production. And it's like, well, yeah, he didn't really play much last season. But for most of non-conference and even early parts of the conference play, he was a pretty solid, reliable score for them. And he's in a you know massive shooting slump right now. And I don't know if that's because teams have figured him out or if it's just a streaky shooter's in a bad streak. But absolutely, he's one of the guys that on this team where, especially without Chase Jeter, you have a couple of guys who could, in theory, take over a game and carry you. Brandon Williams is one of them. 
Brandon Randolph is one of them. Even Dylan Smith, if he were to get hot, could be that guy. We saw Justin Coleman in Hawaii. He was kind of like that guy too. But yeah, absolutely. With Brandon Randolph, he was supposed to be this team's go-to guy, one of the wings who could get any shot off, can shoot the three, and what, 0 for 4? He was 2 for 4 against USC from 3, but 0 for 4 against Oregon State, 1 for 4 against Oregon. Like, he's a guy who's just been struggling massively. And you, know, you mentioned Brandon Williams' line of 3 for 13, but there was no one. Like, I'm, I mean, I'll go big picture. There was no one on the team against USC who made more shots than they missed. Hmm. And, like, that's just unbelievable. You know, and that's, I mean, Brandon Randolph is a guy who absolutely, in a situation like this, you need to be able to turn to. And to compare it to last year, as frustrating as Alonzo Trier was for people, if you need a bucket, you could turn to him and he would usually get you a shot, whether it went in or not. You know, he wasn't a ghost. He didn't disappear too often. Whereas Brandon Randolph clearly isn't a go-to scorer. And I don't know if this team has one. Brandon Williams might be the closest thing they have, but you were hoping Brandon Randolph could also be that type of player. And he's shown over the last... I don't know, three, four, five games that he cannot be relied on. And you just have to hope that this is a, a bad stretch he's in and he'll get out of this funk. But it's also just like, well, he wasn't great last season, so why should we believe he is good this season? Because, you know, just you haven't, he hasn't proven himself enough to be relied on, and lately he's just been bad. He has been bad, but I think that there is a large enough sample size, by no means a large sample size, but a large enough sample size this year to 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 expect a better performance night in, night out. I mean, he has shown many times this year. I mean, the volume in field goal attempts is there, right? And usually, I mean, it's like the Kobe Bryant stuff. You know, Kobe Bryant puts up 40 points, uh, but, you know, it takes 30 shots or so to get it right. Um, he, he had the offensive production, uh, the, the production uh, in multiple games throughout the year, you know, especially like uh, decent ones. Right. So like uh, I'm, I'm looking at the complete game log right at UConn, 20 points, only five of 15 from the field. Right. But, you know, he's getting to the line. He was doing so many other things. Well, uh, you know, prior to prior to the Oregon game in which he was held to just five points. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of that is attributed. It has to be attributed to just the zone defense. Kenny Wooten coming back, giving that lineup a boost. They just played so well. You know, Dana Altman, good coach in in-game adjustments, all of that. Prior to the Oregon game in which he was held to five points, he had not he had double digits in all the games up to yeah. that point, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's like, again, volume volume's helped. there. Yeah. The volume's there, that helps, but you should expect more from him. And honestly, I mean, Oregon State, he, he only put up the 10 points there. You know, USC had 12, but, I mean, that doesn't really do much for me. I mean, he was the high scorer, right? He was tied with Ira Lee for the 12 points. But, uh, you know, I guess as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of garbage, right? I mean, yeah, it was yeah. all for nothing. Like, that doesn't really mean anything. And I think, you know, that kind of somewhat carried over into UCLA. And I think the common theme there was, and it felt like not only on Brandon Randolph, but really everybody else, there was just so much pressure uh, to make – buckets but obviously like you know mid-range and beyond i mean there was just such an emphasis on trying to hit threes i mean this defense it's strong defensive team but it's a three and d team right 25 three-point attempts the pressure's there i mean just the zone ucla again you know it's just it's so tough so i do feel like the absence of chase jeter has just put so much more pressure on everybody else over these last two games i can't necessarily speak to prior to that because chase jeter was there so i mean this theory may not necessarily hold much merit, but 
you know, over from what I saw the last two games, the no chase Jeter just relied, just put so much more pressure on the outside shooting. And we relied way too heavily on that. And we were not successful at all. Yeah, And that's the thing. There are teams that live I mean, you can live by the three pointer. And the hope was this year's Arizona team with more guards, you know, more guard oriented would be better at shooting the three. And we've seen the percentages now. This is one of the worst Arizona, like shooting Arizona teams that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And especially when you don't have Chase Jeter, who he's not Arizona's best player. I think Brandon Williams is their best player, but he's clearly their most important because he's a guy who you can rely on to get you those buckets down low, to open things up for some of your shooters, to get rebounds and those second chance opportunities. And yeah, when Ryan Luther, I mean, he just looks so bad. He just looks so unathletic out there. How many yeah. times does he get to where he needs to be and the shot is blocked or he just throws up something that has no chance. And you know, Ira Lee, the guy plays hard, but he's not particularly skilled. So mm-hmm. they miss Chester Jeter because, yeah, absolutely, they're relying on the three-point shot right now. And, you know, they made a lot against Oregon State. They won that game without Chase Jeter because they made shots. But you go to USC and you shoot 5 of 25 when Brandon Williams, I think he made his first one of the game and then missed his next seven. You know, Coleman mm-hmm. was one for four. Randolph was two for four. So, hey, good on him. You know, Dylan Smith, one for four. Ryan Luther, 0 for three. Like, I'm sure the pressure builds on you when you can't make a shot. You're just like, come on, I need to make this one. But everybody's going to talk about the zone defense. And, yeah, there are different ways to attack it. But Arizona missed a lot of layups against USC and missed a lot of wide-open threes with their three-point shooters. So we can criticize the offense all we want. And you could say, well, if you're going to run an offense that needs to make shots, you need better shooters. That's true. But it's not like Arizona was being bottled up and couldn't get any good looks. They just didn't make them. And that's... I don't, know if, I don't know if you blame that on coaching, maybe recruiting, recruit better shooters. Mm-hmm. But this is just one of those games watching USC. It's like, USC's not a great basketball team. You know, it's just, but Arizona was so bad. And the team that Arizona put out against USC, and really this entire weekend, was just not a good basketball team. It needed someone to just go bananas. It needed Coleman, Williams, Randolph, one of those guys to get hot and carry them. And they just couldn't do it. It will be interesting to see now what USC does because uh, last night, uh, so Saturday night, recording this on Sunday, January 27th, um, you know, last night, right before U of A UCLA tipped off, uh, USC held on to beat ASU, right? So they swept the Arizona schools uh, sitting now. What does that make them? Five and two in the conference, right? Uh, So 12 and eight overall, five and two in the conference, tied for second place. Uh, with that boost of Kevin Porter Jr., will be interesting to see now if they can kind of get going a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, it's just at this point, I mean, any any chance for, I mean, now Washington, right? I mean, Washington is seems to be the cream of the crop. And, yeah. and if somebody knocks them off, uh, I, I, you're probably <laughs> this will be this will be the narrative every time we record, Adam. You know, is it a one is it a one team bid league or, or, is, or is it a two now? I mean, like I I don't know what to is make. Is there of an at large bid amongst us? Like someone's going to make the tournament when they win the Pac-12 tournament. But yeah, it's the auto. Yeah, you put the over under at one and a half right now. It's hard to take the over. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm with the you. Line there, and Washington clearly looks like the best of the best. But mm-hmm. you know, we saw USC. And granted, anyone who played Arizona this weekend looked great. You know, if you just judge it on this weekend, UCLA looks like a monster, too. And they just lost three in a row prior to this game. So, before, I mean, USC has talent. We knew that going in. That's why they were a disappointment. But, you know, you have to judge them. Based on what we saw, this was just a really bad Arizona team. Yeah. You know, with zero size. Like, if you don't have size, you need to make shots. They Not only did they not make shots, like, they were putting up bricks at such an alarming rate. And you're just not going to win. You're not even going to compete that way. And, to be fair, I don't know if we want to move to the UCLA game yet, but 
I thought the Wildcats played hard this weekend. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have enough. And we were talking before the show. It reminded me of the year after Derek Williams left when Arizona lost to UConn in the Elite Eight. And I think Jesse Perry was their biggest regular. And Miller's like, death by inches. That's what he called it that season. I know Arizona missed the tournament that year, went to the NIT. But that even that team had guys like Nick Johnson on it. They were like, oh, these are going to be pretty good players down the road. This year's team, I don't know how many of these guys would normally play regular minutes for a good Arizona basketball team, but the ones that needed to take that step forward, Barcelo, Randolph in particular, they've just been so inconsistent. You know, They've gone back and forth between pretty useful and borderline useless, and it's just not like what we saw this weekend was not a good basketball team. Mm-hmm. Arizona yeah. went healthy. Now, granted, this is where Emmanuel Acott, he doesn't help them too much, but he would have been another big they could have thrown out there. Which, you know, that that hurt them not having him this road trip. But Arizona, we've seen they're better than what they were this weekend. Like, this weekend isn't like, well, see, we knew it. Arizona's terrible. No, I mean, they don't have a lot of room for error, though. They don't have any depth on the bigs. Like, you mentioned DeJardins. People are like, why didn't he play against uh, USC? Well, if that's what you're clinging to, that tells you all you need to know about where this team is at. It's not good. Yeah. And we knew that. We knew that they had no depth up front. No mm-hmm. quality bigs outside of Chase Jeter. I mean, I really has a role, but Ryan Luther's been a disappointment. So, like, does it really shock you that without their one good big, who does make things better for them, clearly, that they go against USC on the road, UCLA on the road, teams that aren't good but have size, experience size, and all of a sudden Arizona looks miserable? Like, I, it doesn't excuse it because they, you'd like to think that other guys would step up. But watching them, like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty brutal to watch. Last last thing to note here, I think is, is Irily. You kind of touched on it there. Uh, Twelve and seven. That that's a solid outing from Irily. I mean, you can't expect much more than that in the twenty five minutes. And he only had one turnover and one personal foul. I mean, that that's probably uh, the ceiling as far as this year's concerned for Irily. I mean, of course, he's going to improve. I surely I surely hope he's a four year player. You know, come come senior year, you expect to see. Uh, higher stats there, but really, I mean, twelve and seven. That that that's a very oh, I'll take solid that from him every night, like every. Unfortunately, game. yeah, unfortunately, it was just really all for nothing. So you know, you hate, you hate to see those wasted opportunities there, but you know, nonetheless, it does feel like Ira Lee is trending in the right direction. Adam, that's enough of the USC game because it was just it was just brutal. You shoot twenty eight percent, you're going to lose every single time. Yes, yes. So moving on to last night's game, the UCLA game. Now, Adam, this one was uh, this one was interesting. Now, uh, what, what I'll say here and, and this you touched on something uh, a, a little bit ago about Emmanuel Acott, and he was absolutely missed in, in this series. But I think like they don't win both games with him, but they, no. he probably could have helped. Uh, no, no, I, they, they definitely don't win USC. That, that wasn't, that wasn't it. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't even think that we would have beaten USC if we had Chase Jeter, right? Like that is still pretty brutal, but, uh, Emmanuel Acott, as far as the UCLA is concerned, uh, you know, going into this, we saw last year with Chris Wilkes, Chris Wilkes is just is such a beast, right? Like he is, mm-hmm. I, I think they have a list is like six eight. He's just long. He can shoot super athletic. And I knew going into this game that he was just going to be a matchup nightmare for us. Uh, especially, I mean, cause Dylan Smith is really now the only one that can kind of keep up with him just from, uh, you know, I, I, you know, like physical stature, right? So, uh, this one was where, you know, Chris Wilkes end up, uh, he ends up going off for 34 points. Um, you know, a lot of that came in the second half. I think he only had, I'm pretty sure he actually only had like eight points in the first half, but um, fact, fact checkers, check me on that one. But he, of course, he did end up with the 34 points. 
Um, he, Emmanuel Acott, I mean, it was just missed there, right? I mean, Moses Brown, that's fine. The 7-1 freshman center for UCLA. You know, we knew that was going to be a bit of a problem just because nobody on the court at any given time would be taller than 6-9 for Arizona. Yeah. So that was obviously a matchup nightmare anyway, but he's raw. He's young. Like, that didn't scare me as much as the Chris Wilkes thing. Chris Wilkes just absolutely abused us. Even in this game, though, you know, there was a slight improvement in terms of overall percentage uh, of field goals converted. 22 of 66, still not pretty. You only 33%. Made a, third, a third of your field goals. Uh, 8 of 26 from 3. You know, they got to the line 25 times. They had 25 free throw attempts, converting 17 of them, somewhat on pace with uh, with the USC game. Uh, but Adam, I mean, th- this one, this one was just absolutely brutal. And this one on both sides, right? That first half, there was uh, for, for most of that first half, it was like, you know, Arizona's offense really at times just consisted of everybody standing around the three point arc and swinging the ball. Once it got to one end of, of the arc, they would kind of diagonal shoot it back across to try to catch the zone off guard. And if the shot was there, maybe if they weren't open, they would still jack up a three. It was just so hard to watch. UCLA was a mess in that first half too. I mean, that was just really ugly basketball. And it was kind of crazy that we were even in that game. Really. I mean, you know, um, the, the halftime score was 38, 25 UCLA really kind of pieced it together in the last few minutes of that first half mm-hmm. to create some separation. It was fairly close for most of the first 20 minutes. Yeah. But Adam, that that for I mean, we I'm pretty sure that we were in the bonus just under nine minutes to go, and we were still using that same technique of just everybody standing around looking for open three pointer. It's like where where is that? I understand the zone is tough to attack, but this is where you expect to see Justin Coleman and Brandon Williams really attack the rim. Even Brandon Randolph, for that matter. I mean, I know he's more of a shooting specialist, but he's certainly athletic enough to get to the rim. You know, if 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 you're watching this game and you see that Dylan Smith is the most aggressive attacker getting to the rim, you're in big, big trouble. And that's really what ended up happening. It was a very, very frustrating first half. Yeah, well, I think to some extent they got discouraged because I know Moses Brown was credited with two blocks, which seems insane. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he blocked like 15 shots or something in this game. He had like game. three in one possession, yeah. You know, but like every time I remember Coleman would take it to the hoop and the shot would get blocked. Or Williams would take it to the hoop and the shot would get blocked. And that's got to be discouraging. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this was one of those games where, I mean, if you look at the box, where obviously it's not pretty. Again, Arizona shoots 33%. You're not going to win too many games shooting like that, especially on the road. But only nine turnovers. They did get to 25 free throws. But 11 Arizona, steals. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, UCLA had twice as many turnovers as Arizona. Like, Arizona did some things right, but they were so limited in what they could do right mm-hmm. because they didn't have that size. So they got crushed on the boards absolutely just destroyed there was 47 to 30 mm-hmm. um they couldn't shoot the ball well they couldn't guard Wilkes they couldn't do anything defensively like UCLA looked I mean UCLA was hitting a lot of really some shots too like they it's like the confidence right and Miller talked about that I think I guess after the USC game about confidence is like if you don't have if you're not confident playing Arizona like we've kicked a lot of ass in this league before you're here for a reason like you should feel confident but Arizona you can imagine building off the USC game where they couldn't bake a shot to save their lives. Then you go to UCLA, it's the same thing again. It's just got to get into your head, whereas UCLA has had their struggles, but they're just making shot after shot after shot. They were feeling pretty good about themselves. And you could see it even where I know you want them to drive for the bucket more and stop shooting threes, but there were times, especially in this game when I was watching, where a ball would swing to like Brandon Randolph wide open in the corner or Luther or one of these guys who should be comfortable taking that shot, and instead they'd 
get chased off the three-point line, take a couple dribbles, and then pass it to someone else. Like, it looked like outside of Brandon Williams and Dylan Smith, I guess, because Dylan Smith always wants to shoot the ball. Yeah, but outside right. of those two, it didn't look like people wanted to shoot the ball. Like, no one was comfortable out there. And I understand, like, yeah, you don't want to just be jacking up threes if you can't make one. But if you're in rhythm and the ball finds you in a spot where you're comfortable, you should be comfortable from, shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know, it might actually go in. You never know. And that's not yeah. to say that Arizona was going to win this game because they, they were, especially the way UCLA was shooting, there was no chance. I mean, they, Arizona's correct. They scored 44 points in the second half. Yeah. You know, they almost equaled their USC game score in the second half against UCLA, but UCLA got 52. Like, it's, Arizona could not stop the Bruins because the Bruins had too much size, too much athleticism, too much skill, in part because Arizona had no size. But the Wildcats did in the second half of that game find a way to put the ball in the basket. That's how they got their shooting percentage all the way up to 33. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, my one take, I think Brandon Williams looked good in this game. He was aggressive. He did. Yeah. You know, he, uh, but Justin Coleman is, I mean, he's had a couple good games since the Hawaii trip, but he's been such a disappointment for me. Some of his turnovers are just lazy, and he's just so not aggressive out there. And I understand he wants to be a pass-first guy, get his teammates involved, but he took three shots last night. Like, how, yeah. does, how does that happen? In 31 minutes, like three you're shots. A, you're yeah. a grad transfer senior. You have scored the basketball before. Your team clearly needs something from you. Be a little bit of aggressive. Like, and that's where this team was just so disjointed without having Chase Jr. to throw the ball to to try to get those post-up looks, which kind of, you know, every now and then they get a little three happy. It's like, okay, find the post. I'm sure Miller tells them, we're dumping the ball inside. Do that. And they do it, and it kind of settles them down. They couldn't do that against UCLA. They couldn't do it against USC. And I think it just had them all kind of panicky doing things that they're maybe not comfortable doing and it got in their heads and you have a 90 to 69 route that wasn't even that close you know in fairness to the justin coleman thing i mean it's still very unexpected uh, unacceptable 31 minutes oh of three right he shot three times no points whatsoever um but in fairness to the whole situation with justin coleman I mean, he probably hadn't faced somebody like jalen hands yet i mean who, who else would we have faced or who else would he have faced head-on in a game so far this year, I mean, just Jalen Hands is an outstanding point guard. I'm sure there's somebody that's comparable to that, um, but I mean that, that that that's a tough matchup. And again, everybody was just in such a funk. Uh, I guess with the exception of Brandon Williams. I mean, Brandon Williams really had a really had a good game. Six of thirteen from the floor, four of eight from three, uh, three of three from the free throw line. But I mean, that's Adam. That that that's kind of the point right there, right? Justin Coleman and Brandon Williams combined for only three free throw attempts. I mean, that, that is, especially when the first half you are in the bonus for about nine minutes yeah. and then, and then in the double bonus for like three and a half minutes. I mean, who cares if you turn it over? I mean, what's the difference between a turnover to miss shot that you're not going to rebound anyway, you know, like at least <laughs> go attack and try to draw a foul. So that's, that was the most frustrating piece for me. And you know, it, what's really funny too, was Dylan Smith had that wide open three as time expired in the first half. And uh, if, if he hit that, which you know, you it's not unlikely, right, that he would hit that. I mean, he he's a decent three point shooter. He hits that. It's only a ten point game. You're sitting there thinking, like, how in the world is this only a ten point game? And he but, missed it spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. But uh, yeah, it, it was just overall. I mean, just not pretty. Right, run, running through the rest of the box score here. Uh, Ryan Luther, you know, thirty two minutes, two of nine from the field. Uh, he played only, hard. Only he just nine looked, points. He looked outclassed, overmatched the entire night. It was really bizarre because there were at times where, uh, you know, obviously he was the center, right? I mean, he's, he's the biggest guy that we can throw out there. Uh, and he just, 
at times, you know, he would get the ball down low. Now to, to credit of, you know, post entry passes as few and far between as they were last night. Uh, when, when we did finally get the ball down there, Ryan Luther just looked so lost and he didn't yeah. know what to do. I mean, it's so out of his game. You know, just at this point in the season, I think we've seen enough of him to know that he's very comfortable, you know, from what, like 10 feet and out. You know what I mean? Like if it gets down low and and especially if there's if he's double teamed down low, that that doesn't bode well for him. Uh, But he's way more comfortable and there's a little bit of space and he can kind of finesse maybe a little bit. But yeah, that 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 uh, that 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 post game, the absence once again of Chase Jeter. I mean, that that was just way too much uh, that we they, they just weren't able to overcome it. Uh, Ira Lee finished with 11 and seven. So on this road trip, then Ira Lee 23 and 14, right? I mean, he played 30 minutes. I mean, look that if if you're looking for silver linings here, I mean, obviously these games that that's done and over with Arizona is now sitting at five and three in conference play. If you're looking for silver linings, Brandon Williams responded very well. I thought to a USC game where he frankly got embarrassed like the rest of the team. He responded well in this game. Ira Lee continued uh, off of what he did in the USC game. That's good. Uh, you know, Dylan Smith, you know what you get from him. You know, he 24 points in this game, obviously with the absence now or the departure rather of Emmanuel Acott. I mean, he's going to just naturally receive more minutes. Then I think the same can be said for Devonair Dutrieve. You know, he is uh, Devonair Dutrieve is a really interesting piece here just oh, because yeah. he's super athletic, but it's still so raw. He's you so know, lost like last, out there sometimes. <laughs> like last night, it was really on display that he was just lost at times. He'd get a steal and then give it right back, trying to dribble the yes. ball up the court. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. But you know what? That that is a piece that hopefully the, can evolve, can progress as uh, the conference tournament. You know, as we get closer to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, here we are again, five and three. We have 10 more conference games to go um, before we jump, because obviously here we are now. It's ASU week, right? So here we, this is the first leg of the two games that we are guaranteed to have against U- ASU this year. Uh, Adam, before we jump to that, though, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of a lot of the listeners, a lot of the Wildcat faithful, they're all thinking the same thing. Um, yeah. How how much of this? How worried should the fans be? How much of this weekend was a result of no Chase Jeter, and how much of it was more of a result that we just simply don't have the horses for this type of race? I, I, I think it depends. Like obviously, without Chase Jeter, this team's just not good. You know, especially on the road. Now Arizona obviously looked pretty good against Oregon State, missing Jeter for most of that game. So they're capable when they make shots. But like this was a type of weekend where this was about as bad as I think this version of Arizona could look. So would I be concerned? Yeah. Because I don't know if they win these games with Chase Jeter, but they're sure as hell a lot more competitive with him on the floor. And he's not DeAndre Ayton. You know, he's not that type of guy where you should take him out and all of a sudden you just fall apart. But clearly this team had no confidence. And my worry is, like, we knew this wasn't the deepest and most talented Arizona team. We hoped that certain guys like Dylan Smith and Williams and Randolph and Ira Lee and Luther, all these guys would take steps forward and be better than we hoped. But... You know, I don't think anyone really went into the season thinking this was a great Arizona team, but yeah, their margin for error, we knew this, but their margin for error is really, really thin, and whether that's a bad shooting night, turning the ball over, or injuries to key players, like they don't have that wiggle room, so I think there's every reason to be concerned that, I mean, now Arizona, they got seven losses on the season, and like their chances for an out-large bid, barring them running the rest of the table, beating ASU twice, beating Washington, like they're not going to get an at-large bid, so... You know, if your worry is, is this team going to make the NCAA tournament? Probably not. 
Yeah. You know, that, that's so I think you're looking at it now saying, okay, well, are there pieces? Like, am I worried about the program as a whole? No, because we know what recruiting class they have coming in next season. But absolutely, I'd like to see more from certain guys. But, you know, I, I watched this team, and I don't want to overreact to this past weekend because it was a road trip, a tough road trip, where Arizona never has a lot of success in the L.A. swing. You know, they rarely sweep that. Mm-hmm. But you go into that without Chase Jeter, it's it's tough to imagine. I mean, if you would have said going into it that Arizona's not going to have Chase Jeter, do you think they win either of those games to begin with? No. Like maybe you no. thought they'd be closer. Yeah. You hope they'd be closer that Arizona could maybe make a shot or two, but you wouldn't have expected Arizona to sweep the series, let alone even split it. So, you know, whether you lose by 20 or you lose by three or you lose by, what was it, four to Oregon, four or five, like yeah. it's never fun. But mm-hmm. did you feel worse about Oregon or about UCLA? UCLA. Really? Definitely I, UCLA. Felt, I felt worse about Oregon because that was at home with a full lineup. So I guess you see what you want to see, and every we all watch the same game and we take different things away from it. But I, I just I, I was disappointed because I wanted to see someone like Williams or Randolph or Coleman just blow up and carry a team to a win, like steal a win in Los Angeles over one of the two teams. But that it didn't happen doesn't make me go, oh, man, this season is so much worse than we thought it was going to be. It was more like, oh, okay, yeah. that, that makes sense. Like you were hoping for a hero. You were hoping for a miracle. You didn't get your hero. You didn't get your miracle. Instead, you got blown out twice, and now you come back. Hopefully, you get Chase Jeter back because if Jeter's on the floor, Arizona has a chance. They're a respectable to good basketball team with Chase Jeter, usually. Mm-hmm. But without him, yeah, they're not going to win too many games no matter who they're playing against. The reason the reason I would go with UCLA uh, in terms of the team performance, why that one was it was more alarming to me, was because at least in the Oregon game, it granted full strength at home. Uh, defensively, you held Oregon to fifty nine points, and it just like the shot really wasn't there, right? So if you're comparing the two, the shot really wasn't there in the UCLA game either. But defensively, you just really collapsed. Yeah, like, giving true. up ninety points like that that's that's very alarming. And I know you know you were still being competitive in that second half. Again, Adam, you pointed out that the second half score was 52 to 44 UCLA. Uh, But I mean, I guess in my mind, it was just so bad of a defensive performance. I mean, in the first half, you know, yes, you held them to 38 points, which is still not that good. But UCLA was not playing that well in the first half. No. I mean, there was just, you know, so like uh, the, the parallels between those two games was the shooting was bad, but at least defensively, you can hang your hat on the Oregon game there. Right. So no, now fair. again, that's fair. but 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 I, but I guess it goes back to, you know, what sort of presence in that Oregon game Emmanuel Acott played. Right. I mean, or no, no, he was already gone because it was post uh it was post Bay trip. Right. So, uh, well, I guess, okay. So there's a common denominator, no ACOT, but, uh, where it kind of gets fuzzy then of course is chase Jeter. So how much value do you put on chase Jeter? Apparently he more than a I lot realized was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he solidifies himself as the team's MVP. I agree 100% that our best player is Brandon Williams. Uh, but the most valuable player is chase Jeter. I think without a doubt now at this point, but so that's the disappointing thing is you hope someone would step up. It's kind of like the next man up philosophy. Right. And, Granted, it's college basketball. We've seen better Arizona teams when Brandon Ashley got hurt. They were still good, but they weren't the same. A couple years ago when Trier was out with the suspension, guys stepped up. You had Kobe Sims, you had Markin, and you had Raleigh Alkins, and they found a way. This team doesn't have that, especially for Chase Jeter. Now, if Justin Coleman gets hurt, Williams takes over. And I'll be honest, if I'm Sean Miller, I know he probably maybe promised Justin Coleman things, but I would start Brandon Williams at point guard, change the lineup, and bring Coleman off the bench. Right now, like I thought the way Coleman played over the weekend was just unacceptable mm-hmm. as a senior leader, as a captain, to basically take in charge of nothing 
in this mm-hmm. game. Like, the team's better with Brandon Williams, the ball in his hands, I think. But just this team doesn't have the depth. You know, nor, nor the talent. Yeah, nor like the talent in those Peter, other two scenarios. Who replaces yeah. him? Like, mm-hmm. Ryan Luther was starting, and Ryan Luther was put in the lineup because ACOT, who wasn't very good to either, decided to quit the team and tried bringing into Jardins on the floor. He played three minutes against UCLA. Who cares? Like, he played hard. He tried. He missed a couple of shots, missed a couple of free throws, like, got a rebound, fouled three, committed three fouls in three minutes. It was fairly impressive. But that's where this team is at. Something like the Matt Korchek years. are like, oh, well, they got a decent, you know, community college big. If he has to play, he wasn't great. But just this team doesn't have the horses, like you mentioned, to keep up in certain games, especially with certain injuries. Like, you lose Brandoff, I think you could survive. You lose Coleman, I think you could survive. You lose anyone other than Chase Jeter and maybe Brandon Williams, I think you could survive against certain teams. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've seen when it's basketball. If you don't have size, you're going to get hammered on the boards. And the things that Arizona's been good at is rebounding and interior defense. And we saw last year, obviously, the two seven-footers, how different it was. Now they have none. And without Chase Jeter, they don't even have a good functional big. So, yeah. you know, you play a team that has Moses Brown, who's guy can't shoot the ball for anything, but he's a presence. No. And if you have Chase Jeter, maybe he gets Brown into foul trouble a little bit mm-hmm. sooner, makes him work a little bit harder on the defensive end and occupies him so he can't drift over and block shots and help out that way like he did. I know two blocks. I don't buy that. You know, so yeah. obviously without Chase Jeter, it's a different team. The entire dynamic was worse, but... They don't have the horses, especially without him, to compete with the decent teams. And UCLA's not good, but they're talented. USC's mm-hmm. not good, but they're talented. ASU coming up, they're decent, but they got size and they're talented. So, you know, Arizona has to be at their best, and their best is with Chase Jeter on the floor. So without him, it's just, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. So that's a decent segue then into the ASU game because I will 100% take a two blowout losses to the LA schools in LA to then bounce back and <laughs> beat ASU and Tempe. So if that, if that has to be the trade-off to make sure that Chase Jeter is healthy for this upcoming game on Thursday, uh, sign me up. I'll do that 10 times over. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, no, but, I mean, especially now because you can't give, you can't get those, that LA trip back. <laughs> but what I want, obviously, is Chase Jeter going to play. He took part in warms. He traveled with the team to L.A., so I guess there was a thought that maybe he could play. So hopefully a few extra days of rest, he'll be good to go. Maybe they were just kind of saving him for that. You know, don't risk it in these games. Let him be healthy for ASU. And, yeah, Arizona is usually pretty comfortable at McHale North. Yep. But, you know, it's the type of game where it's a huge game for ASU. But I'm curious how the Wildcats bounce back. You know, we've talked, we've heard so much from them about – confidence with these guys and if you had if you were struggling with confidence before what did this road trip do to you yeah you know, if you're gone, Ryan Luther shot. if you're Dylan uh-huh. Smith if you're Brandon Randolph and you're struggling if you're struggling with your confidence what did this trip where no one could make a shot do to that you know so if you're Sean Miller you need to get Chase Jeter on the floor yeah but you need to get this team back to thinking it can win again because mm-hmm. they just got yeah. embarrassed in two straight games and because they were awful it's definitely so Chase Jeter is a large component to it, but it definitely it's going to require a Brandon Randolph finding his shot. Right. It's going to require a similar effort that Brandon Williams was able to do in the UCLA game that he was not able to do in the USC game uh, this upcoming Thursday. It's going to require Ira Lee to continue to have strong outings. He'll probably be moved back to the bench or or let me ask you this before we even jump into analyzing ASU here. 
Uh, what? So let, let's assume that Chase Jeter is back, and you know, let's. Just, I mean, he's healthy enough to play, so I'm not going to assign a present uh, a percentage of health, right? Yeah. But he's healthy enough to play. What do you do with the starting lineup now? I mean, <laughs> Ryan Luther specifically. I mean, what do you? What would you do with Ryan Luther? Would you keep him in there, or would you now put Ira Lee I mean, into the starting lineup? You play matchups, but Ira Lee is a better player than Ryan Luther right now. And I also think he's more, he's more, uh, well, I guess not talented, but, but more athletic than Ryan Luther. Right. And I think that because ASU has so much athleticism on the floor, it almost feels like to your point of playing the matchup that you almost got to go with Ira Lee in this one. Yeah. And ASU doesn't have like ridiculous size. They don't have seven footers or anything. They have Romello White, who I think is like six, nine as mm-hmm. one of their centers, but they're just a lanky team that has athleticism. So Ira Lee, he'll probably foul out in the first half. <laughs> but he's a better matchup for some of these ASU guys. And, you know, Luther, I don't hate Ryan Luther. I don't think he's a terrible basketball player. But I think he's been kind of forced to play a role for this team, especially with Chase Jeter, that he's just not able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a stretch four. He's at his best when he's hitting open threes. You, you mentioned how you know he's not comfortable unless he has a little bit of space. He reminds me of me playing basketball, which is not a compliment. <laughs> but, like, I'm a little bit taller than somebody, but I don't like being down low because I'm afraid my shot's going to hit blocks. So I either rush things or I kick it out or I just – you know, you're not comfortable unless you're facing the basket, seeing where everybody is. And yeah. he strikes me as that kind of guy. And he's had games where he's made some threes. And he mm-hmm. rebounds. And I do believe he plays hard. But he's just so slow out there. And against the teams that have the size, or at least the length and the athleticism, he looks mostly lost. Yeah. So ASU, to me, is that type of team. They have length and athleticism. So it doesn't strike me as a good matchup for Ryan Luther. Not to say he can't come in and make a couple of threes off the bench and play a role. But just based on what ASU is going to put out on the floor in this game, I agree. I think Ira Lee is probably a better matchup. This is going to be a situation where uh, Brandon Williams and Justin Coleman just need to absolutely dominate. Uh, Remy Martin is really the only true like ball, ball handling point guard or even guard for that matter. You know, I know Dort is used in certain situations and, you know, his uh, he, he's averaging 16 points a game. Uh, but he is by far and away the leading shot taker of this team, right? And he's 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 uh, he's, he's shooting thirty nine percent from the field, twenty eight percent from three, and that's not like a um, that's not like a you know he's four of fifteen or whatever from three. He has three. He has one hundred three point attempts, and he has made twenty eight of them, literally twenty eight percent. And it is I I don't know Arizona shooting percentage. Yeah, he'd fit yeah, right in in Tucson, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be that. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, but I get you know, as far as like you know, what else to think here? You, you, we're gonna have to. I mean, obviously, I'm not the coach, and obviously, Sean Miller's gonna do a much better, a much better job of game planning and strategizing for this. But uh, I, I think that the glaring weaknesses to ASU is 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 their guard play, and this is where we do have the advantage because we do have strong guard play. And we so should, I think like, we should see good, strong guard play from Arizona, but it doesn't always happen that way. No, no, no. And as yeah, as displayed over the weekend and really probably as displayed over the last few games. Right. I mean, it just hasn't been there. Uh, but but I think what's what's important, though, uh, you know what? Actually, I said that Justin Coleman hadn't played anybody like Jalen Hands, but he did play against Bearfield of Utah. And that's probably an equally talented player. But yeah. I, I guess I guess what I, the reason I, the reason my mind wandered back that far was because I was thinking who who Arizona has played over the last few games in terms of like a staunch backcourt, you know, guard situation. Oregon, and, Pritchard. Or, 
Yeah, Oregon. Yeah, he he's scrappy, but like in a different way. You know, like he's like fundamentally sound and like yeah. I mean, definitely not discounting that, but I just think like uh, ASU of the teams that we've played most recently has the weakest set of guard play. So it's going to be interesting, especially if Chase Jeter can come back. If you have that strong presence down low, the best big man on the floor at all times, Chase Jeter in this game against ASU, and then Justin Coleman's able to. I don't know. I don't even want to say go all the way back to that Maui game because that's like two months ago now. It's just so, I have so no long faith ago, in Coleman like you do. <laughs> like I just I don't, don't want to give up on him. Yeah. No, I mean, and I and I hate to say I don't want to overreact over this past weekend, but there's just been this trend with him where he is so reluctant to be a shooter, and at times he's a decent shooter, but like he took three shots against UCLA. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? He was two of seven against USC. In Maui, he took 13, 12, and 10 shots in the three games there. He didn't take double-digit shots until the Oregon State game again. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand where this comes from for him. And the turnovers, too, that's the other thing. Like, I can sometimes live with being a pass-first guy, but his turnovers are his sloppiness of the ball. And, and I get it. Like, if you're a point guard on this team without shooters around you, it makes life difficult. Yeah. Not a big to help you, and I get that. But Coleman's the type of guy who's experienced. He's been a scorer at times. Like we saw him against Iowa State. We saw him against Gonzaga. We saw him against Auburn. You know, we're not gonna we're gonna say those teams don't have good guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he took over, and maybe he doesn't make a lot of shots against you. So maybe he shoots the ball twelve times and makes four of them. But at least he's aggressive. You know, Brandon Williams was aggressive, and that yeah. allows you get to the free throw line and makes things happen. And Coleman just wasn't aggressive. He was very passive. He's been very passive, really. I guess you want to say since he came back from his shoulder injury, mm-hmm. but. That this is a team that when you're desperate for anyone to step up, I would expect my senior leaders to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I'm not giving up on Coleman, but part of me feels like this could be better with him coming off the bench and setting up those guys, setting up Ryan Luther, you know, setting up Dutrieve, setting up Barcelo a little bit. Because let Brandon Williams run the show. This team's better when he has the ball in his hands. I think what's interesting about that, too, is that if you do take him off the bench or, or move him to the bench, right, then you'll be at a Brandon Randolph being in his more, I, th- I mean, you know, at this point in college basketball, there's so much positionless basketball yeah. that exists. Um, but I think Brandon Randolph's more natural state has to be at the two guard, right? Using him in three situations where, you know, that small forward spot, uh, he, you know, he's not the biggest guy by any means. He's, he's six, rebounded six, a little better good- lately. He's yeah. gotten better, but he still lacks that physical stature to go up against, you know, other thicker guys. Right. And then, so I think that what, what would happen in that situation is if you do put Justin Coleman coming off the bench and you have Brandon Williams also natural in his position, right? He plays well off the ball. That's fine. Uh, he, he's a great combo guard, but he's more naturally a point guard. I mean, yeah. that's, I, I don't think we, there's any two ways about that. So yeah, Brandon Williams coming off at point guard, Brandon Randolph back in his natural shooting guard position, Dylan Smith at his natural three then you have ira lee and and chase Chase jeter And then you have you have your two your other two seniors right Ryan Luther and uh, Ryan Luther and Justin Coleman coming off the bench with, with a little bit of and with a little Barcelo and Dutrieve. I mean that that seems to me like the most logical and probably the best lineup that we can put out there right now. I don't even care who the opponent team. is. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not saying like you said Justin Coleman. This team all of a sudden will take off and challenge for the Pac-12, mm-hmm. but just watching them, like we determine now, Chase Jeter is their most important player. Yes. And Brandon Williams is their best player. You want the ball in their hands as often as possible. And Brandon Williams is a guard. Let him create. He's a good creator. He's not a selfish player. 
at all. Sometimes I think he passes to a fault. He is a consummate point guard just with the ability to score and the willingness to be aggressive. And I wanted that out of Justin Coleman. Like Arizona needed that out of Justin Coleman. They just did not get it this weekend. And you know, maybe that's the trick. You don't want to overreact to two bad games that happen without one of your most important players on the road. But, you know, this is a stretch where, I mean, even if Arizona beats ASU and then beats Washington, it's not going to say, oh, the Wildcats are back. You no, know, there's you, seven you, losses. You're going to feel a lot yeah. better about the situation. Oh, if just that beat happens. ASU and you're going to feel a lot better about everything. Sure. You know, yeah. Tournament or not, hey, beat ASU. That'll be, you know, that. That'll soothe a lot of ills for this team, at least the perception of them. But, you know, you look at it, and ASU's going through some similar troubles as Arizona. Mm-hmm. ASU had their great non-conference and then, of course, lost to Princeton somehow. Yeah. But even Pac-12 play, they won their, you know, a couple games, and then they lost to Stanford. They won three in a row and then lost. They really blew the game against USC uh, Saturday. But they're a talented team. I think, overall, they have more talent than Arizona does. But they're inconsistent as all get up. Like they don't necessarily shoot the ball really well. They kind of play out of control at times. Like, but they're talented and they're kind of a front running team to where when things are going well, they can look really good. They're confident and they they're flashy. You know, Remy Martin's throwing no look passes for dunks. You know, Zillin Cheatham is really a versatile guy who rebounds, can play some defense, can score. Like it's a pretty decent basketball team, but you know they are certainly beatable, as has been proven. I mean, she's Princeton beat them in Tempe. Yeah. You know, Utah right. took it to them after Utah was down big and then came back and rolled them in Tempe. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanford beat them pretty handily at the farm. So this isn't a team that's going to dominate anyone, but no doubt going into this game against Arizona where, you know, we all know Bobby Hurley hasn't beaten Sean Miller yet. Yep. And they had those two big games against the Wildcats last year. The Cats won both of them where I think the Cats were more dominant than the final scores indicated, but ASU knows that. And they know they're struggling, so this is a big game for them. I mean, it's a big game for both teams, but it's huge for ASU, just a perception. So if they go out there and beat Arizona, even a, a weekend that has a good Wildcats team, that's going to mean everything to them. But if you're the Wildcats, you go to this game saying, well, you got to rebound from those two losses in the L.A. trip, and you know, what, a place to, you know, what, a, what better place to do that than in Tempe? Mm-hmm. And to all of a sudden have Brandon Randolph get back on, you know, get his shot back, or Ryan Luther or Dylan Smith make a few threes. And that's kind of, I don't know, Arizona got up to such a bad start in both those games in L.A. where it's kind of like they've never really had a chance. I wonder what would happen if they got to a good start again. Make a couple shots. Get some stops. Be up five, six, seven points at the first TV timeout. You know, or at the 12-minute mark. But instead, they were just, just got blown out both these games where even we said the UCLA game was close for the first half, close in that it should have been worse than it was. Mm-hmm. But Arizona wasn't within like a bucket. They weren't leading in that game. Yeah. So yeah. ASU is ripe for the taking. They are. They're not a great basketball team, but they're plenty good enough to run Arizona out of the gym if the Wildcats play like they did against either of the LA schools. Yeah, you'd like to think you know, come back to the state of Arizona, flush those last two games, chase Jeter back in the lineup, have a couple solid practices leading up to this, and you can feel pretty decent about yourself. Adam, you, you mentioned uh, ASU played uh they lost to utah and stanford right early on or just a few weeks ago rather uh in those games and this is kind of my point uh, obviously 
Utah has Cedric uh, Bearfield as a as an outstanding point guard. He put up uh, 24.6 assists in that game against ASU, in which Utah, I mean, almost eclipsed the century mark in in uh, in Tempe, which is, I mean, that, that that that's pretty impressive. They were able to do so there uh, at the farm. Stanford, John Davis was not necessarily the highlight of that game, but just. Continuing on the point of strong point guard play can really pose issues to ASU. Deshaun Davis in that one, right? He was 13, uh, 13 points, nine assists. And I think what helps in that one is that De Silva and Acapella were, were, they were both on that night. I mean, mm-hmm. De Silva was nine of 11 and uh, Acapella was eight of 13, right? So, uh, which speaks to those nine assists that Deshaun Davis was able to capture that night. Uh, the point there being is that, you know, if you, if you have strong point guard play, that is going to create issues against ASU. And that's, you know, getting back to the lineup that, you know, we, we just laid out and I'm with you there. I would love to see Brandon Williams back in his natural position as the starting point guard. I mean, I don't want Justin Coleman to be benched for very long and, and not even not even like benched to say like, uh, like he's never going to get back into the starting lineup. I just mean like he's going to play an important role in this game and his minutes are going to be valuable. So just hopefully we get some productivity out of that. But uh, Brandon Williams would just be, I, I think, a nice little spark. And especially, like I said, if Ira Lee can, can get things going, it can make things for uh, it can make for an interesting game there in Tempe on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, the trick for Sean Miller, and this is where why he gets paid the big bucks to be the coach, is you don't overreact to what happened in Los Angeles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's... Yep. Like I've said, I mean, I've kind of vacillated, but like, oh, I'd bench Justin Coleman and this, but also like, hey, what happened in L.A. was understandable. You didn't have Chase Jeter. You're going to yep. lose anyway. But, you know, this whole team, this whole season is kind of mixing and matching these misfit parts that, you know, it's clearly not the team that they thought they were going to have until all the Book Richardson FBI stuff. You lose guys. You know, you kind of piece together. You get Coleman. You get Ryan Luther. You get the recruited class. You Treve. You know, you you get Brandon Williams. Like, this clearly wasn't the blueprint for what Sean Miller wanted with mm-hmm. one functional big. Like, yeah. clearly. I mean, we've seen how he's built the teams over the last handful of seasons now. He puts a value on having size. Mm-hmm. And this team, you know, for various reasons, does not have that. I don't think they were expecting Chase Jeter to be their only big this year. You know, that, that, that wasn't the case. So, you know, obviously without him, they were going to be in trouble. So you don't want to... Like, let's, just, let's assume for the sake of our sanity that he's going to play against ASU, that he probably was close to playing in the Bay Area, like the L.A. trip, and they decide, you know, we'll just give you a couple more days and you'll be 100% for ASU. Then Arizona is a much better basketball team than they've yeah. been. And mm-hmm. the lineups they could throw out there are just a little bit more complete. You know, maybe you're not making the threes, but you at least have a guy who can now get a layup, who can get a dunk, who can get an offensive rebound and a putback, who can get some guys into foul trouble. Like, it changes everything more than it should, but that's the reality of this team. So, you know, I don't want to overrate and say bench this guy, bench that guy, change this, change that, but I think Sean Miller this whole season is an exercise in trying to figure out what's the best lineup for him. You mm-hmm. know, the season started with Ryan Luther was a starting power forward for them. Then they benched him for ACOT. You know, then ACOT decides to quit the team, and you put Dylan Smith in there. You put Ryan Luther in there. Then Chase Jeter gets hurt, and you're kind of mixing and matching, and Maybe he won't want to bench Justin Coleman because Coleman came to Arizona, I'm sure, expecting to be the point guard, but it also doesn't seem like Schindler to promise anybody anything. Yeah, right. So I don't know if he sends Justin Coleman to the bench but and really makes wholesale changes to the lineup because you don't want to panic over this last weekend either. But there is a sense that this team is what it is. 
They're not going to get some magical transfer. There's no one coming back from injury that, and I, as much as I say Chase Judy, like that's going to make this team nationally relevant, competitive, a contender. But it's just trying to find the best version of this Arizona team, which may not be a great team. It clearly isn't a great team. But how do you get there? How do you get peak Arizona Wildcats, 2018, 2019, peak Arizona Wildcats? And at the same time, I say all this knowing that if Arizona can actually make some shots against ASU, who's not a great defensive team, then they'll look a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Brandon Randolph makes some of those open threes, if Brandon Williams makes more shots, if Barcelo can make a layup, if Ryan Luther makes a couple of shots, all of a sudden Sean Miller looks like a genius again. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes basketball isn't that complicated. You've got to make shots, and Arizona didn't make any. But, again, this, I think we've all probably come to accept who this team is to the extent that I know when they start 4-0 and and Pac-12, they're like, hey, maybe they can be something. It's like, well, it's about to get tough. Yeah, it got mm-hmm. really tough. And whether Arizona got exposed or just had the wrong time and place to be missing Chase Jeter either way, this is a team that you're not playing out the string so much as you're trying to find some positives, some things to feel good about. And a win Thursday in Tempe would go a long way for that. That would certainly make everybody feel a lot better about the situation. And this, how do you uh, feel about this team? Now? Uh, I, I mean, at this point, it's it's kind of it's kind of where it's kind of what we thought it was going to be coming into the season. You know, I I really think like up to this point, up up until the Oregon uh, until the Oregon game and that Thursday night, because now obviously from uh, from that point up until now, we've lost three of the last four. Up to that point, it just really feels like we overachieved. And I, and I think yeah. that, um, you know, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, it, it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, but I don't necessarily know that I'm not willing to subscribe to the idea that, you know, the team that we've seen in these last three losses is the team that is actually um, that should be the expectation. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't think that that is the actual that should be the expectation of this team moving forward, because I do think there was a lot of fluky stuff. Um, I, I think that Chase Jeter, obviously, as we've touched on it, is a big problem, right? Uh, it, it, there's no depth, but if he's not there, I mean, then that just compounds the issue, right? Yeah. He gets into foul trouble. It's really no different than him getting into foul trouble. And, you know, there was a little bit of foreshadowing in that Gonzaga game, if you want to look at it that way, too. The collapse had already happened, right? A, uh, Arizona was already blowing their 13-point lead or whatever it was by the time that uh, that, that oh, Chase Jeter had yeah. fouled out, That's a picked good point. up that you know, but, but how bad was it? You know, once Chase Jeter got out, I mean, there was just nothing to be excited about for the rest of that game. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, we, we've seen a little bit of it. Uh, I, I do, th- I, I do expect him to play now. You know, I think it was, again, it was very encouraging that he was warming up in each of these past two games that he traveled with the team. Uh, you know, now he has four days off to prepare for this. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a much, it's a much different team, especially going up against a team in ASU that doesn't necessarily have a lot of talent in the front court, uh, or I guess uh, that's, that's not fair. I mean, I, I don't want to give them credit ever, but yeah, like, 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 like the size, right? Yeah. Cause they, they're, they're definitely talented and they have, you know, a handful of these guys ranging from, you know, six, seven to six, nine that can, you know, jump out of the building. It seems like at times, but, uh, there's nobody that can really pose an issue for chase Jeter. Chase Jeter is so, so savvy down low, you know? And so I think with that on top of, it's going to get back to Brandon Randolph. I mean, I, I really think that Brandon Randolph has to be able to 
has to be able to put together that outside game that helps the inside game of Chase Year that complements that, you know. And and um, I don't know necessarily if it's going to happen at ASU because that's a tough game. That's, that's a tough arena to play in, you know. The 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 student sections there, as much as it pains me to say, they do a really good job of uh, of making life difficult for the opponents when they come play there, but. Uh, yeah, you know, overall, I think, you know, I guess getting back to your question, how do we feel the, you know, the state of the program and everything feels like the last couple of games were kind of fluky. Now, there was some there was some obvious things that I don't think continue. Uh, I guess now if Chase Jeter is out for the year, that, that kind of changed my answer you know, at some <laughs> point. But, uh, but 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 the shooting, I just feel that the shooting is somewhat fluky. And I think, you know. Everything everything seems to get better when you go home. You know, uh, Arizona still has a, a a true home home court advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get home, you know the shots, the role players. It's just like the NBA. You know, role players play better at home. You expect to see the Barcelos play better. At this point, I hate to say that Ryan Luther is a role player, but I mean he oh, really he is. Absolutely I don't think, is. Yeah, you know, it, it it just sucks, right? But I mean, unfortunately, he is. So you know, you expect to you know the Barcelos, the Ryan Luthers, even Devin Air Dutrieve at this point. You expect to see a little bit more flash and production at home, but, um, I get, you know, it just gets back to, they kind of just outperformed expectations. They, they just, you know, they kind of surprised everyone and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, it was fun up to that point. And, and even, you know, we're, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about it like the season's over because it's yeah. not necessarily over, you know, uh, Emmanuel Acott, they're still trying to figure out defensively how, how to, how to manage things now that Emmanuel Acott's gone. Um, I think that that those struggles will continue in this ASU game as well, because Emmanuel Acott, would have been an excellent piece to defend some of these ASU wings. Or at least to um, attempt to. Yeah, 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 at least to attempt to, because now I just I don't even know if we necessarily, you know, have those pieces to, to I don't even want to say shut down, but even, you know, somewhat contained to give our to give our other guys a chance. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes, you know, because looking ahead now, Adam, if, if you actually look at look at the rest of the if you look at the rest of the schedule there after this point. Right. So we mentioned, you know, you go to. You go to ASU, you go to Tempe this Thursday. The following matchup is the Washington schools come to town. Not much hope for that Washington game, but again, it's at home. So, I mean, you you never never want to, you never know. Washington state is not, not a good team, not a good team at all. Um, then you go up to the mountain schools and that is always an issue. We, I don't know if we've ever swept that. I mean, probably I actually, that's probably not true. I would say one of those TJ McConnell years, I'm sure we swept, but, um, it's nonetheless always an issue, right? That's always a a tough road trip to have. Um, so let's say, let's say we split that, right? Let's say we beat Colorado at Colorado. We lose to Utah. Okay. Um, so now what, so you're five and three going into ASU game. Ah, I really, let, let's start here. Do do you say do you say we beat ASU? Do you think we beat ASU? If if if, if everything we just talked about, you know, the, the lineup gets right, we get a little production from Justin Coleman. Chase Jeter comes back, has a game. Brandon Randolph finds his shot. Ira Lee keeps things going. Uh, with all of that, assuming all of that happens, do you feel good about our chances to beat ASU? If Chase Jeter is healthy and Chase Jeter again, I, I still give ASU the edge. Okay, that's because fine because they're at home. But I think it's competitive, and yeah, and I hate saying that. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So I I know it's again, it goes back to just a tough place to play. And if all else is equal, usually home court means a lot, and that could end up being the tiebreaker, right? So, um, okay, so let's say we lose to ASU five and four, lose to Washington. Now we're at five and five. But then you know Washington State, the little pick me up, feel better. Six and five, lose to Utah. Six and six, beat. Colorado seven, seven and six. six, 
beat Cal, Stanford. Stanford, that's not a gimme, but you, you definitely nine beat and six Cal. there. Yep, nine and six at Oregon State. Uh, at Oregon, you know that that's Let's where say it kind of split those. So now you're ten and seven, right? Ten and seven with ASU to go. So you at beat home. ASU at home. You're eleven and seven in conference play. Eleven and seven. You were nine and four. That puts you at twenty and why am I not counting this right? Nine and four. So four, seven, so eleven. And, so that's twenty eleven. Twenty, and 20 and 11. eleven going to Vegas. Which is maybe a top four seed. Like maybe uh, you get the Wednesday bye. Yeah, um, eleven and seven, that's not gonna be good, especially because, you know, like the teams like Utah and USC, right? We don't play USC again. So USC who knows if they keep things going? Yeah. Utah can get going. Yeah, we actually, I would love to see the odds on that of us to have a first round bye in the Pac 12 tournament. But I'd also just, love to know. Yeah. Even on that, we just we put them at 20 and 11 before the tournament, right? That's where we have them right now. And with this team, in some ways, and obviously it depends on how you get to 20, but. That's not terrible with what we've seen. <laughs> I was actually thinking this morning that if, if, if Sean Miller gets this team to 20 regular season wins, is that the best coaching job we've seen him do in Tucson? I, if you want to say so, without a single superstar on this team. Now, granted, the pack, the conference is down in general, oh, yeah. but still to get to 20 wins. I mean, this is, let's face it, this is a very average team, right? Oh, I mean, there's nothing best. spectacular about it, and there's nothing horrible about it, right? There's just, it's an average team. On a so good to take day, this they're team, good. You know, it, like. it, it, it just feels like a team of misfits almost, right? Because these grad transfers, Chase Jeter comes in, you know, all these moving pieces. You know, Brandon Williams, of course, is a great piece. Um, but there just was no stability, no carryover, really, other than Brandon Randolph and Ira Lee from last year, especially now that Emmanuel Acott's gone. I mean, those guys didn't command big minutes last year. But it's still, you know, it's, it's just there was consistency. There, there, there was exposure. There, there, there was experience in the program, right? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just such a hodgepodge, it feels like. And I personally think that this would, if he gets to 20 regular season wins, uh, that he deserves conference coach of the year. <laughs> I, I don't even think it's, uh, that, that, that is a hell of a coaching job. I think a certain Hopkins in Washington probably has the inside <laughs> track on that. And obviously 20 wins isn't what it used to be. Yeah. And especially, I think I saw the graphic that like Miller's average, what, 27, 28 wins a season with the Wildcats. Yeah. So obviously 20 is a down year and we, we, we all, whether we accepted it and expected it or feared it would be this kind of season, it's kind of come to fruition. You know, mm-hmm. maybe in ways that we didn't expect. Maybe we thought Luther and Coleman would be better. Maybe we thought Randolph would be better. We thought Williams would be more of like a 17, 18 point per game kind of guy. But, yeah, it's just kind of hard to... If you want to blame Sean Miller for anything, and I know people, when every time Arizona loses, oh, he can't coach against a zone or this or that, he doesn't develop players... If you want to blame for anything, it's that Brandon Randolph was supposed to be a top recruit, and he hasn't been that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that Ira Lee was a top recruit, and he's been a serviceable role player. That Emmanuel Acott was a top guy, and he ended up quitting the team because he wasn't very good. You know, if you want to get on Miller for that, that's fine. But his system, I mean, it's, I don't know what more he could be doing with this team. You know, yeah. offensively, he's, they're getting open looks for the guys who are supposed to be their shooters. And again, if you want to say, it's like when they had Gabe York was their best shooter. It's like, yeah, that's not good. You know, you should have a better shooter than that as your kind of spot-up gunner like that. But if that's the reality you have, that's, that's where you're at. So you can blame the recruiting, not so much. Like, I don't blame Schumler for guys missing wide-open shots. Right. I think Dylan Smith shoots threes in practice. That Ryan mm-hmm. Luther, that Barcelli, these guys aren't taking, you know, putting up shot after shot in practice. 
So like that's not on coaching, I don't think. But to the extent that this team is so very flawed, so deeply flawed, especially without Chase Jeter. Like, yeah, if they get to 20 wins this season, maybe even steal a game or two in the conference tournament, it's not going to be enough for the NCAA, but it's also not going to be the absolute disaster that some people thought. It was it Greg Hansen wrote, I think, last year where he said he'd be surprised Arizona went 0-18 in the conference Ugh. after all the stuff yeah. went down. and. But, I mean, it's when we went into the season, we did not know how good this team would be. And we're kind of seeing that they're, they're average to good, and that's it. And there's a lot of bad in the conference, which helps prop them up. But let's see if they can't steal a win against ASU on the road or sneak one against Washington at home, you know, kind of get one of those. Let's see if they can't go up to the Oregon schools in the second to last weekend of the season and beat one or two of those teams on the road. Like, it's this team Or sweep still, the mountain yeah. schools. You know, yeah. Like, this, this isn't a terrible basketball team. Like, you said it earlier. Like, when they have Chase Jr., they're not terrible. What we saw in L.A. was not this Wildcats team. Mm-hmm. But it was the worst of this Wildcat team. Without their good big man and without the ability to shoot the ball, they looked about as bad as you'd think. Yeah. But we've also seen them look good. We mm-hmm. saw them, without Chase Jeter, make shots and really take it to Oregon State. We saw them beat Stanford in a game where everyone was in foul trouble. And we saw them outlast Utah. You know, we saw this team beat UConn on the road. We saw them compete with Gonzaga. You know, we saw them beat an Iowa State team, which that one's looking better and better, seems like, every weekend. So, you know, this isn't to say this is a good Arizona team. We've seen far better. This might be the worst Arizona team that Miller's had, even including his first season, because at least that team had Derek Williams, had Solomon Hill, you know, had Kevin Parham. This team may not have a lot of guys who are going to be relevant players for them next season, even. Mm-hmm. But... You know, let's see if they can't make this at least moderately fun the rest of the way, even without the tournament as the goal, without a national championship as the goal. Let's see if they can't steal a few big wins to feel good about them. And if they can, then, yeah, I don't think Miller's going to get coach of the year. But there's a decent chance that by the time this season's over, you could still be thinking, you know what, he's the right guy for them. Because if he can win 20, 21, 22 games with that team, just get back to when he has the talent like we're used to seeing in Tucson, and they'll be just fine. I do think a very important piece to this whole equation is that everybody in the Pac-12 is beatable. So if if you get to this point where you are 20 and 11 and you're sitting, just call them the five seed, right? And they have to play the first game, the first round for the first time in uh, how many years? I mean, it's probably been like five straight years where where Arizona has had a first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. But but let's just say, I mean, I, I guess even... The seating, uh, seating aside, right? Let's say that you know Pac-12 tournament comes along, and yes, they were sitting at 11 and seven in the regular season, but you see something start to click, right? There's still 10, 10 games to go. I mean, that's still a pretty substantial amount of games left. Yeah, but it could go horribly go. wrong. It could go the <laughs> other way too, absolutely. But I guess but, the yeah. point I'm trying to make is if you get if you get to 11 and seven, and you feel like you know there was the signs of life, right? You 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 beat Washington. You didn't expect to beat Washington, but then you know you lose to Utah and Colorado. The point is that you you've shown that you can keep up with these teams. That everybody is flawed in the Pac-12, right? Once you get to that tournament, would it shock you, Adam, if they ran the table in the Pac-12 tournament? I'd have to see the matchups. But no, I mean, this team, like, we've seen them. There's enough shooters, and I put that in, I guess, quotations because obviously we didn't see that in L.A., but this isn't, this isn't a team that has zero talent. Right. But it would shock me if they could put four straight really good games together, yeah, against decent teams, yeah. That would shock me. Okay. But that's not to say that if we get to that point at Arizona won 20 games, 
with maybe a sweep of ASU or they stole one against Washington or compete in these games and they were really close. You say, you know what? If a bounce goes their way and they won't be on the road, then, yeah, I, I could see them competing because, no, I, I'm with you on that. I don't think what we saw against the L.A. schools was indicative of who they are. I mean, yeah. It's who they were this weekend. Mm-hmm. But a healthy Arizona team that's playing well can beat anyone in this conference. Yes. But, and that's and that's what you got to hang your hat on, I think, at yeah. this point, right? But, like, but you got to be healthy, and things got to be clicking. Yeah, they're more talented than Cal, than Washington State, than Colorado. You know, like they're they they're probably not more talented than UCLA, than Oregon or ASU, but or even USC. I don't think they have more talent, raw talent. But they're I think Arizona's a well coached team that has good game plans. That when they don't play awful, they can contend with anyone in the conference. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it's like, I remember the last show, it's like, oh, I'm feeling confident in this team now. They won four straight games in the conference play, and hey, maybe they'll be better than we thought. And then, you know, four games later, it's like, ah, oh, they're terrible again. But that's who yeah. this team is. They're uh-huh. average. Yeah, they are. Very you know, much so. so. You're going to have weekends, we're going to have shows where we say, hey, they looked good. Well, that's because they played the bad teams. And mm-hmm. we're going to have weekends where they say, oh, man, they're bad again because they played good teams. And we're going to see a weekend like this one where they played okay teams without their most important player, and they looked awful. Like, yeah. that's what happens when your team is this. And we mm-hmm. just got to accept that and hope that the rest of the ride is still provides some thrills. Are you going to the game on Thursday? I haven't bought my ticket yet. I have a friend who's trying to sell some, and I keep wondering if I want to spend money for the possibility of what I think could happen. <laughs> and I hate that. Yeah. You know, it's like you go to like, you want to drop like 50 bucks on a ticket for a game where there is nothing worse than leaving that arena after a loss. That's why I'll never go again. I that 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 was the the one time I went was the Aaron Gordon year, the oh, double overtime and game. Jermaine Marshall, may he rest in peace, when he just went off on them and mm-hmm. salvaged that. That was like what the third game after uh, Ashley got hurt, I think too. Yeah, like Arizona yep. still figuring out who they were because Gabe or Rondé Hollis. I think Rondé started that game still. All I know is Aaron Gordon was there, and we were sitting right next to the student section, and that was the worst exit from an arena I've ever felt. And I will never do that to myself again. So I will not be there. But Adam, if you go or you choose not to go, I can't say I blame you because I know the feeling. So, well, do you want to be a fan in fear? Can you be like that? Is that is that okay? Like that just seems wrong to be like I will not go because I'm afraid Arizona's going to lose. I like watching the game in the comfort and safety of my own home. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I, I opt for that. I even, I even this game, I won't even go to zips for this game just because, no. you know, there's no, no, just cause there's too many ASU fans and it's just, there's always, you know, it's like, I want to watch the game. You know what I mean? I don't want these distractions and hearing people cheer when I'm fuming that something just <laughs> went wrong. It's like, no, no, it's too distracting. I just, in the comfort and safety of my own home. That's yeah, how I, and you can be distracted by Bill Walton's musings about anything other than the game. <laughs> exactly, right. Which, yeah. like, in a game like last night, I was fine with it. <laughs> I was too, actually. That, that, anything else. That, 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 that did help. That, that did help things <laughs> just a little bit. So, uh, All right, Adam. Well, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, I think we're all up on time here. So, uh, All right, everyone. So, yeah, uh, we're still trying to figure out the schedule of everything. Adam and I will likely be on a rotating week from Bryant, Rick, and Rob. Uh, but I think more to come on that. And probably the next time uh, Bryant records, we'll, we'll have a solidified schedule on that to, to take us through the rest of this season. So, uh, Adam, uh, you locked in your pick there. You think ASU uh, is going to do it? Yeah. I and, and I, you know, again, I don't disagree. Um, 
I won't say it, but I don't, but I don't disagree. So, uh, so hopefully when we record next, we'll have some, uh, hopefully some good news because, you know, uh, thir- the, this upcoming Thursday and the following Thursday, there's going to be some pretty key games, I think, with the way that the Pac-12 shakes out. If you out, split so. them, then you're feeling not terrible about things. I mean, it's still not like this is a contender, but it's like, hey, those are two of the tougher teams on the schedule, and you won. Yep, yep, very much so. So, uh, all right, everyone, so uh, enjoy the game, be safe, and until next time, bear down.